Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. And welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, I you have a topic today that I am just so excited to be a part of. <laughs> Well, the question, who's excited to do a budget? Are you saying that's you? <laughs> that is so not me. <laughs> so actually, our not episode me. title is The Problem with Budgets, right? Mm, yep. <laughs> well, because maybe like two people out of a hundred listening to this episode are going to say, oh, yeah, I love to budget, right? <laughs> I don't know anybody that likes to budget, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's well, necessary. It is a necessary thing. We, you know, we have to is. do it, but it's not an exciting thing. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a CPA or an accountant, some of those True. people really love to budget. So, but today we're, we're exploring why we don't like to budget and we're going to shift our mindset around tracking our numbers and we're going to talk about some tangible actions that we can actually get excited about. Okay. So the first point I want to make is that the word budget itself is loaded emotionally. Most of us do not feel neutrally about the word budget. Mm -hmm. So when I am doing seminars, I do a lot of uh, corporate money wellness, and I'll ask people like, what's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word budget? Now, it's usually stuff like discipline, restriction, no fun, right? It's control, all those things that were like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is control. It is. It is. Um. But, you know, we have a tendency to think that a budget is going to be the equivalent of what I like to call financial keto mm. diet, right? So if if someone is on keto, they're on the keto plan, it's pretty much no carbs or as right. few carbs as humanly possible. And for most of us, we like carbs, you know, we, we yeah. want to eat a piece of birthday cake or a donut or a soft pretzel or what, whatever carb is your favorite. Um, and so we really need to shift our thinking. And there's, there's a lot of similarities between our physical health and our financial health. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we think about like the word diet, most of us have the exact same connotations as yeah, a budget. And, uh, yeah, we probably, yeah, the exact sort of probably emotional responses, I would think, probably. Right, exactly. But like if you look up diet in the dictionary, it literally means what you eat. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> a very restrictive plan per se. You know, it does not mean this is something that is unpleasant and terrible. It's just plain and simply what you what you eat. So when we look at a budget and we talk about a budget, it is essentially planning what you're going to spend before you spend it. The restriction is actually something that we're putting upon it. Now, most people, if they're not tracking their spending, they are overspending, (laughs) right? Yeah. Most people, I mean, most of the clients that come to me, they will basically say, I know my spending is a problem, but I also want to work on this, this, and this. So it's almost like a given, right? If I'm not paying attention to my spending, I pretty much know I'm spending more. And the same thing goes for what we put in our mouth, right? So if any of us have a few extra pounds to lose, we can pretty much, we already know we're eating too much. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) Exactly. But the just the act of tracking in and of itself, it actually helps us to start self-correcting. Now, here's the other thing. I've heard a lot of financial pros say, you just need to learn to love budgeting or love the word budget. I say, screw that. Oh, good. Thank you. (laughs) Let's just throw it out (laughs) because when I'm talking to my clients, when we're talking about the spending portion of their personal finances, I call that the spending plan. Yeah. And it's part of their overall prosperity plan. But, you know, we can call it our wealth accumulation plan. We can call it our financial freedom plan. We don't have to call it a budget. So rather than trying to go against the grain and go against our emotions. Let's just call it something different. Let's call it the prosperity plan. That sounds like fun to me. That sounds a whole lot more fun. Yeah, (laughs) That's a whole lot more fun. Certainly a lot more rewarding, at least. Yes, absolutely. You know, focus on the positive, right? So one of the problems with traditional budgets is that They're unrealistic, and they're very cookie cutter. So many times, if you take a personal finance course or class or you read a book and they lay out their plan for doing a budget, you know, they're asking you to cut your spending to the bone so you can make major progress with saving and debt reduction. And many times it's because they want you to get a quick result. But there's also a problem with this because what this is actually teaching people is another uh, term I have stolen from the uh, healthy eating camp. This basically teaches you what I call financial bulimia. Mm -hmm. So if you go from a state of complete unrestraint, not tracking anything, And then you go into this system of tracking every penny, being very restrictive, 
We all know what happens when you're on a diet or a strict budget for any length of time. At some point, you're going to fall off the wagon. And when you do, the only other thing you know is to be completely unrestrained. Like Those are the only two options that you have learned. Yeah. So for me, really, what I want to do is teach people a sustainable path. Now, might it take you a little bit longer to get results? Maybe, but if you actually stick to it for the long haul, you're more likely to be successful. So we don't want people to learn these two extremes, right? We really want to have a balance of, yes, we are putting some muscle behind the particular goals that we want to accomplish, but we are also having fun while we do it. So that's like, you know, rather than losing five pounds a week, wouldn't you rather lose two pounds a week for a long period of time and still get to eat a piece of birthday cake when it's your kids or your grandkids' birthday? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) The other problem is when you get a budget formula or a template from someone else, it may or may not fit your particular situation. So typically what happens when someone creates a program or writes a book and they give you this formula or this template, and they say, you know, don't spend more than 30% of your take-home pay on your housing, and don't spend more than 10% on your transportation, and don't spend more than 10% on food, and they give you, you know, all these different percentages that you're su- supposed to fit inside. Yeah, and I, by the way, I hate that. I just <laughs> hate that. Because just from a, a most practical standpoint, Depending on where you live, those percentages are going to be vastly different because cost of living are really different in different parts of the country. If you live in a major city or you live on one of the coast, yeah. your percentages are going to be dramatically different than someone who lives uh, in the middle of the country, as it were, you know, or in a smaller yeah. town or a smaller city. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, this formula worked for them, right? They're basically saying, like, hey, I got out of debt. You can get out of debt. Here's how I did it. Mm-hmm. But if there's no room for flexibility, then we can feel like we failed, right? When we're trying to put on a plan that doesn't fit us. So I remember way back in the day, I had a formula from a financial guru who will remain nameless. And I was actually coaching with a friend of mine, and I realized that it it didn't work. And so Mm. the the food percentage, it was 10%, right? So um, my best friend has five children, Mm. and four of them are boys, right? So at the time- Oh, there's no 10% is going to fit there. Yeah, you see where this is going, right? Yeah, I see right where this is going. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, her husband is, you know, uh, a big, a big hunky guy. And then at the time, two of her boys were were teenagers. Uh, you know, we weren't even to the the phase where 
all four of the boys were either teenagers or young men under her roof, there was literally no way that we could make 10% work. Like, even if she had, you know, shopped at the dollar store and used a bunch of coupons, it, it was just not happening. So, I mean, for me, it was more than enough because... You know, my husband and I are child-free by choice, and mm-hmm. we were always way under that 10%. So, you know, you have to take those things with a grain of salt. We always want a plan that we can customize versus having something as a cookie cutter. Yeah. But, I mean, it is okay to have something with some guidelines and to use it as a starting point because if you haven't budgeted in a long time or maybe ever, you may not know what you should or shouldn't be spending on certain things. Like you might look at a number and you might say, I have no idea if that's too high or that's too low. And so, you know, consulting those sorts of templates and formulas can kind of give you an idea if you're in the ballpark but we don't want to necessarily take those as the gospel truth for how we have to do something yeah i you know it's it's interesting i i remember at one point you know housing was supposed to be 25 percent of your total income and i just kept thinking well this isn't working for me because i can't fit that uh, that doesn't, you know, because I live in the New York City area, and I mm-hmm. just, and I was like, this is just, you know, and it, it's kind of discouraging. It kind of makes you feel bad because you feel like, yeah. wow, I, I, uh, man, I, I, I can't fit in that category or that or that, you know, percentage, and it does. It kind of immediately pushes you into financial bulimia, <laughs> if you will, to steal your term. Right? Yeah, because you're like, well, if I can't even get this to fit, then yeah. Screw it. <laughs> exactly. Never mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So your spending plan should have room for fun and fit your family's situation. So the other problem with budgets is that many times we approach them with this ass fail paradigm. So when I'm coaching clients, I have to remind them that their spending category limits are not pass fail. So, you know, when we use a personal finance app together, currently that's Mint. And so when someone goes over, even a dollar over that particular category, it turns red, right? So if you're under, it's yellow. If you're right, or if you're right on the money, it's yellow. If you're under, it's green. And if you're over, it's red. So a lot of my clients, like it bothers them Mm. to see that there's like a bunch of red things, you know, in their, in their budget line items. And, you know, so they'll, they'll kind of look at those and they'll say, you know, they'll beat themselves up or they'll be disappointed. They'll they'll say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I went over this. And I'm like, you're $5 over. You know, that's like not a big deal where you went 50 bucks over the grocery budget. You know, I mean, this is a family that's bringing home, you know, 12 or $15,000 a month in spendable income and they're beating themselves up over $50, right? Yeah. So, 
we have to see these things as as guidelines. And I tell my clients, like, let's get curious rather than beat ourselves up over the red and or celebrate over the green. Because sometimes people will say, well, I did great in all these categories. I was way under. And I'm like, the point is not necessarily to be $500 under budget. It's more important to be accurate. Like we're trying to hit these targets as close to the bullseye as possible, right? So this isn't like a pass fail. If I go over the line, I have failed. If I'm under the line, I have passed. The point is, whatever we set our target to be, that's got to be like the bullseye. And if we're a little bit over or a little bit under, then that means we are estimating correctly. Because, you know, if we're constantly going under a category, then we need to adjust that down so that it's accurate. Mm -hmm. And if we're constantly going over something, like, let's stop kidding ourselves, right? If $1,200 will not feed your family of five, (laughs) which it's probably not. (laughs) Not going to, yeah. (laughs) Right? And if you're constantly like $800 over budget, like, let's stop lying to ourselves and let's just put $2,000 in there, right? right? If that's what the number is, then that's what it is. So we have to stop treating things like a pass fail. So it's much more important for us to be accurate and to be as close to the bullseye as possible. So it's not about being, you know, over or under. It's not about passing or failing. It is how good can we get at estimating our expenses? Yeah. Now, the other thing is I want to talk about what I call micro budgeting versus macro budgeting. So we can certainly get hung up on all the pluses and the minuses of the individual categories. Sometimes we just need to like step back and take a look at the big picture. Yeah. So yes, micro budgeting gives us great information, especially when we're first getting started. And it can show us where opportunities exist. So when I first get started with my clients, We are doing micro-budgeting. I mean, we are looking at everything. You know, it's we're looking at the streaming services, like what's your electric bill? You know, how much are you spending on your kids' sports? And so we have like a ton of subcategories. So like even under pets, it's like pet food, vet bills, grooming, pet sitter, for food, same kind of thing. It's, you know, it's not just restaurants and groceries for a lot of people it's like they want to see the food deliveries they want to see the coffee shops they want to see the alcohol and bars <laughs> they want to see mm-hmm. the fast food versus the fine dining and by doing that we are able to see the areas where we're overspending right because a lot of times when people come to me they basically say i have no idea where it all goes yeah you now like I make $400,000 a year. I literally have no idea where it all goes. Well, let's find out. (laughs) And that's part of the process. (laughs) Right. 
So we do have to get micro for a time, but then a lot of times my clients will shift to more of the macro. So they won't necessarily need to know what every single utility bill, they won't have a category for electric and cable and, you know, telephone, et cetera. It's all under utilities. Now, if they click on utilities, they can see the individual charges that are in there, but they might not necessarily be dividing that larger category into subcategories. So, but in the long run, we should be more concerned with the macro budgeting. And even beyond just categories and subcategories, I mean, sometimes people will say like, I've looked over my last three months of budgeting and it's just like all over the place. And then I say, okay, well, look, you know, before we started working together, you were spending more than you were making and you weren't making any headway on your credit cards. Now let's, let's go in and let's look at mint. Yes, we've, we've been all over the place with our targets. However, if we look at your income versus your expenses, you're in the positive now, Mm -hmm. whereas before you were in the negative. So The most important thing is, are we spending less than what we're bringing in? That's the most important function of doing a budget and of tracking your spending. Yeah. Well, first of all, I am very much a believer in the macro. And second, you know, to demystify and maybe, you know, de-emotionalify, <laughs> I'm going to put mm-hmm. a word for you here. Is that a word? <laughs> for, for, for budgeting is just, it's budgets really are simply getting your spending to be less than you're making. You're yeah. bringing in more money than you make. So, mm-hmm. you know, budgets are accounting for what you spend and helping you get a handle on that. That's really what they are. They're 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 most simple and basic. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is to also look at your income and spending over larger time periods, like over a quarter or half a year or a year yeah. versus just a single month. Because many of my clients have variable income. Now, for me, it's extremely variable. Um, You know, I pay myself a certain amount out of my financial coaching business every month, and that part is pretty stable. But I am also a silent partner in the family business. And so I never know when I'm going to get distributions. It's it's definitely around tax time. I know like when tax payments are due, (laughs) there's probably going to be something coming. But sometimes it's once a year. Sometimes it's twice a year. Sometimes it's four times a year. And I literally never know what the amount's going to be. And so, because I have no personal involvement in the day-to-day business. So, you know, it might happen that I have a huge chunk of money drop in. And this actually happened last month or the month before. Had a nice huge chunk of money drop in. So, the income for that month was huge. But then the expense lag will last for a couple of months. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I've talked in other episodes about the importance of generosity for me. And so I immediately start thinking about, okay, I got this huge chunk of money. I always donate 10%. Where's it going? Well, 
sometimes those organizations do not cash their checks until the following month, <laughs> mm. depending on when I pay them, right? So when I'm looking at you know my budget over the last couple of months, I've got this one month with a huge chunk of income, and then I've got a couple months where it looks like I'm negative, but I'm really not. I'm not negative for the quarter. I'm not negative for the year. It's just the timing of the cash flow. And so sometimes people can beat themselves up over that, or they may actually feel like they want to artificially manipulate that, you know, and say like, oh, well, how can I get it so that my income is like kind of smoothed out? And certainly you can you can do that, you know, if you know you're getting a huge chunk of money, you can deposit it into a savings account and then, quote unquote, pay yourself a monthly amount so that it helps you to keep track of that cash flow better. But if most people would look in my mint, I mean, it looks like I have financial schizophrenia <laughs> because, you know, there are some months that are, you know, pretty stable and steady. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have this huge spike up and then a couple months following, I have these huge spikes down and it's all over the place. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christine lucan.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes so a lot of times people think that it's going to be this yearly amount divided by 12 and that's not how real life happens so and that's really my final point too is that most of your or a good chunk of your budget isn't going to be fixed from month to month. So I find that for most of my clients, usually like 60-ish percent of their expenses are pretty stable from month to month. Yeah. But then they've got this piece that's variable. So, you know, you've got your mortgage, you got your car payment, you got your utilities, and those are usually pretty stable from month to month. They might vary a little bit, you know, some of the utilities and stuff, but some of them vary a lot. You know, I mean, if your child has to go to the emergency room because they broke their foot, you know, all of a sudden you've got all these medical bills that you weren't anticipating, or you've got vacation expenses or Christmas gifts, etc. And uh, it's so funny because sometimes I'll have clients say, um, well, I'm hoping that next month will be a normal month. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laugh. I'm like, there's no such thing as the normal month, right? Like, this is the way real life happens. And so we have to account for that, right? So one of the reasons why we have an emergency fund is so we have that money to pull on. So that doesn't completely, quote unquote, ruin the budget if we have an expense like 
you know, a medical emergency or, you know, we've been saving for a vacation, then that's already accounted for. Yeah. And I think the other thing that throws people off too are those bills that come once a quarter or once a year. So if you pay like certain insurance bills once a quarter yes, or, you know, like our property tax bills just came in. Um, so I'm like, oh, well, we got to pull some money from savings so we can pay those. But uh, I am in the Midwest. So those are a, a lot lower than, yeah. than you folks who are on the East Coast or the West Coast. So. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I do, one of the, and I, I'm curious about your reaction to it, is that because property taxes can be rather substantial in in mm-hmm. in our in our in our budgets, I just I take that and divide it by three, so that it's like I you know I account for the quarterly cost, yeah, in the routine budget, just so that it's like, you know, we're all aware. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, please don't accidentally spend that money. Yeah. Exactly. No. And that's um, that's one of the reasons why I love using a personal finance app or a budget app, because they can help you do that. So, you know, like I said, at this point in time, I'm using Mint. The reason why I like it is because it's free. It's been around for a long time. It's a very robust app with a lot of features and it's got really good security. Now, that being said, there are other ones out there. So if you like something else and that's working for you, that's great. But what I like about it is that it pulls all your transactions in from every place that you're spending money, every place that you're investing money, every place that you're parking money. So, you know, you link all of your banks you link your credit card companies, you link your investment accounts. And most people have a hard time tracking what they're spending because they're using multiple payment methods, right? So especially if you're in a, in a married couple and you know, you've know you got things that are automatically coming out of your account, mm-hmm. you've got Venmo and PayPal, right? And then you've got different debit and credit cards. I mean, you might be spending dining out dollars on five or six different payment methods. And if you have to try and track that manually, that's a royal pain in the butt. (laughs) And that's why having an app like Mint or something else is very helpful because it automatically pulls all those transactions into one place. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, especially because of AI, these things have gotten so much smarter where it's like, if you charge something at McDonald's, it's automatically going to put it to fast food. Like you don't even have to tell it. (laughs) And it also learns from you. So if you say, you know, that Duke Energy is your electric bill, then, you know, future charges will then be put to the you know electricity category. So using a tool like this helps to make things easier. So I don't my goal is to make managing your money as easy and simple and painless as possible. Um 
you know, I frequently talk to other people in the personal finance space and, you know, some people are still using spreadsheets or they want people to carry around big envelopes of cash. And it's like, that's not convenient or that's going to take a lot of work. (laughs) That's not fun. (laughs) No. No. And, you know, to bring back in another, another food analogy, um, Now, I'm on a healthy eating plan right now, and I'm actually having a lot of great success with it. And I think the reason is, is because it has structure, but there's also flexibility built into it. So in the past, I have done healthy eating plans where they say something along the lines of this. You can eat whatever you want to. Just make sure you don't eat more than 1,800 calories a day. And your carbs have to be under whatever and make sure you eat this much protein. So basically it's like you can eat whatever you want to, but your totals have to add up to this. Right. I will not stick with that plan. And I'll tell you why, because I feel like I have to do 20 minutes of math before I eat. (laughs) And I hate that. I mean, and I, I am an accountant by trade. Like I like numbers, but to me, having actually zero guidelines and zero structure is stressful for me. So this plan that I'm on now, I actually paid extra to get a custom eating plan made for me. So every month I get a new eating plan, Mm. but I also get what's called the swap Bible. (laughs) So if I don't like one of the meals, I can very easily see, like, if I don't want to have bread or pasta and I want a different carb, I can see exactly what I can swap out for it. And I can also see the macros for each of the meals. So it also makes it pretty simple for me to look at all of my meals and say, I don't feel like eating that. But this one over here is almost exactly the same composition. I'm going to eat that instead. So on those days where I'm busy and I'm just like, I'm running from appointment to appointment. Just tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Then the structure's there, right? But if I want some flexibility, then I also have that. And so that's one of the things that I do for my clients when it comes to creating their prosperity plan. We do have structure, but the structure is also built around them. So before I started this healthy eating plan, my trainer contacted me and gave me this big questionnaire to fill out and asked me, what do you like to eat? What fruits and vegetables do you like? Do you have any eating restrictions? You know, do you ever drink alcohol? If so, how much? And so they got a lot of information from me to build the structure. But then they also gave me the freedom of choice within that structure. And so when I'm creating prosperity plans for my clients, especially when we're looking at that spending portion, I am learning as much as possible as I can about my clients so that I can build out this structure that's going to best support them so they don't have to think about it. But if they do want to make a change, they basically know If I'm going to spend more over here, what am I going to swap out? Yeah. Right. And then they can make that empowered choice rather than me coming in and saying, 
you're spending too much on this. You're spending too much on that. we got to cut that out, right? Because, I mean, we've all had one of those personal trainers too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, take the bread oh, yeah. and throw it out. <laughs> 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 and that is just not fun. <laughs> no, and no. you're like, oh, it's discouraging. It's it discouraging. is discouraging. Right. And so... You know, the budget or the spending plan or the financial freedom plan, the prosperity plan, whatever you want to call it, if we use it correctly, then it actually gives us a lot of freedom because then we can spend without worry. Because if we have no guidelines and we have nothing to measure ourselves against, then we're going to be out there spending and worrying that we're ruining our finances without really even knowing if we are or not. And there are times when people hire me and they basically say, Oh, I just know it's going to be so bad. (laughs) And then once we get all the numbers in there, I'm like, you're actually doing pretty good. And they're like, I am. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you actually don't need to be that worried. (laughs) You don't need to be that worried. It's good to be a little aware, but you don't have to be that worried. Yeah. Yeah. And I especially find that um, I've had a couple clients who were divorcing women who just like had this fear, like, I'm not going to be okay. I'm going to end up being a bag lady. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, yes, you can, you can take a vacation. There is room in here for you to do that. And if you don't have a plan then you don't really know. And so that's really the beauty of having the plan and having the budget is that it actually does give you freedom if you use it in the right way. So the whole point of today is really just demystifying budgeting. Let's call it the spending plan because that's really what it is. We're planning our spending before we're doing it. And You know, this whole budgeting thing, it is an art. It's not an exact science. It's never going to be 100% perfect. You know, you're never going to step up, you know, to the firing line at an archery range and hit 10 bullseyes right in a row unless you do that for a living. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, But you should still do it, right? Even though it's it's never going to be perfect, the progress that you're going to make with your finances. And I mean, your your money is really going to be working much more efficiently for you if you are guiding and directing it. That's really the bottom line. Yeah. It's a good bottom line. Yes. <laughs> I like the idea, though, that it is an art because mm-hmm. everybody's expenses vary. Nobody has the same expenses. Nobody nobody spends ten dollars a month on electric every month and five dollars <laughs> on gas every month. And you know, it just doesn't work that way. Life isn't like that. Some right. months your electric bill is going to be higher than your gas bill. Some month your gas bill will be higher, uh, depending on how many trips you've taken in the in your car or how much the cost of gasoline has gone up or gone down. How much right. you spend on your transportation is going to vary. Not by you know and I. And it sounds like what you're suggesting is you need to understand and allow and accept the fact that there's going to be variances here 
-hmm. And you need to just develop a system for accounting for it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. There's probably some people who are listening who are feeling resistant to getting started with your spending plan because your money is disorganized. And if this is you, I created my financial tidy up bundle specifically for you. In three simple steps, your personal finances are going to be streamlined and organized, and you're going to be ready to jump in with your prosperity plan after you do this. So if you want to go to HeidiMoneyBundle.com, you can get started with that. It's currently $22, and it'll probably stay that way for a long time. So it's a great entry point into my world and investing in yourself to start getting your finances on the right track. So tidy, tidy, like tidy, 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 yes. tidy money, money bundle, all one word. Yep. Yep. Tidymoneybundle.com. Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, challenge no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if people want to reach out to you on another basis, maybe get one-to-one assistance or talk to you further about your, your financial dignity coaching, how do they reach yeah. out to you, Christine? Yeah. Well, I've opened up time in my calendar to talk to you if that's what you want. Um, you can set up a time for us to chat and we'll see if financial dignity coaching is a good fit for your situation. Uh, you just have to go to my website, christinelucan.com forward slash apply. Great. Wonderful. And thank you, Christine. This is really interesting. And it is a topic that a lot of people just don't want to deal with. And nobody even you who is an accountant, nobody <laughs> finds this exciting, okay? If we're going to be honest. <laughs> and listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you are not already a subscriber, we do encourage you to hit the subscribe button. That way, you don't have to wonder when the next episode comes out or where you heard it the last time you heard it, because by subscribing, it will be delivered to you. You'll get a notification and you won't miss a single episode. We also ask that if you enjoy this podcast, please take the time to rate it and certainly share it with others, because in sharing it with others, you help more people find out about this enormously beneficial podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. I'm Bill Tucker on behalf of Christine Lucan, your financial dignity coach. We wish you a wonderful day, and I remind you that you should never wait. You should live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.